Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning. I'm Karen. What are we doing, Karen? Show notes. Always. Why do I forget every time? <laughs> I think I'm enjoying the fact that you forget show notes and then we sit down to do the podcast and you have that look on your face like, ah, frig. Yep. I'm getting more and more like you every year. Well, now that I've sat down in my seat and put my headphones on and I have forgotten to pick up the sheet <laughs> with the notes on it, I'm going to go ahead and begin. So we have an evening with mediums event. Our April event is sold out, but if you go to bysarlo.com on the internet, you can purchase tickets for August and December of 2018. August is over half sold out already. Sips of Sanity is another podcast show that Kelly and I have that you can find on the website bysarlo.com. It's short shows. They're just 10 minutes each. There's five of them grouped together at the beginning of each month, and they're always theme-based. And most often, those shows are to give you tools in life, like emotional intelligence or life coaching tips or whatever. Yeah, they're less they're less story-oriented. Yes, right to the point. Nice little things that you want to send to somebody to say, hey, let's go on a date Friday night, listen to this, I want to talk to you about it. Hey, wake the fuck up. <laughs> hey, here's 10 minutes. Be a better partner. Yeah. Be a better human. Yeah, it's good because I think if you're presented with it that way, have your humility, accept that they're trying to offer something because they want the relationship to grow and not that it is a criticism about you. Mm -hmm. People pleasers would find that difficult because they're hypersensitive to criticism quite often. So if they can move around that, as you said, and realize the intention behind it is to actually be engaged in the relationship. You can get past and kick your people pleasing right in the arse. Good. So there are gift certificates available as well as personal sessions that you can book for yourself or others. You can purchase the sessions from anywhere in the world and also experience them from any, anywhere in the world through Skype, FaceTime, or telephone if you can't be here with us in North Bay, Ontario. Mm -hmm. And we do workshops. And we are guest speakers as people heard what is it, like two, three weeks ago, mm -hmm. that if you go back into the Coffee with the Sarlows podcast series in the archives, 2018, I was invited to F.J. McGilligan High School. And so people can listen and learn that you and I go out and do public speaking events. Good. Are we done with show notes now? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, we are. Take it away. Okay. Since the podcast, Cal, from F.J. McGilligan High School went, went up on air, I am blown away by how many people have commented by email or phoning me or stopping me personally to say that it gave them hope, mm -hmm. to say that they really found that show to be one of the best shows that they had heard in context of that somebody was reaching out to the kids in the community and recognizing that the systems don't function well. And I think a lot of us already know that the systems don't function well. I think the teachers are well aware of it. And I think the directors are and the principals and the educational officers. I don't think it's for a lack of awareness that. How do I say that? I don't think it's for a lack of awareness on the part of any of the educational people professionally or the parents or aunts and uncles and family members, least of all the students. But for some reason, we seem to be going either backwards or at a snail's pace to actually fix it. 
and to actually do really constructive things. So when people listen to that podcast, and particularly heard one teacher reaching out a group of teachers and a principal and a board saying, let's talk about a growth mindset and a fixed mindset, that for some reason, it just really hit people right in the heart that there are people that are doing things that there is an action here. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that creates depression is that when we don't take any action, and or if we just can't be participants ourselves in it. Mm -hmm. And this is bringing me right into today's show, actually, because it's still about fixed mindsets and open mindsets, but it's in a totally different way. Aren't all of our shows? I think so, hon. I think that's why people listen. I think it's because the people that listen to this or share it with others want to be one of the people that are in the open mind and the growth mindset. Might recognize they were fixed or that they still are. And here's one of the tools is listening to the shows. And it is what's growing me and getting me out of the fixed. Because when we're in a fixed mindset, we are definitely full of anxiety. We are definitely experiencing some symptoms, if, if not all symptoms of depression. So I think it's it's super important. So anyway, I'm going to start today's show talking about being in the mall. I got my hair curled and colored. And I decided to just walk around the mall a little bit afterwards. And I went into a particular store. And a lady that I know from many, many years ago, actually four decades, if I'm being honest. <laughs> you got there fast. It's okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, who I grew up with as a child in the neighborhood and went to high school with and stuff like that. Uh, I ran into her and she just started talking about her parents and how she had been raised by them and the pain and the hurt she's gone through because of the way that they've treated her and how she has overheard them saying things about her like, we better give it another try and fix her because she'll go to hell if we don't. So steeped in religion then? Mm-hmm. And this lady is a little older than me, so she's close to 60. I'm 56, so she's around 58 or 59. And she's talking about parents that are in their 80s, close to 90. And I just thought, wow, is that ever interesting? Last Monday, I was in a high school with all of these young people and all of this energy about mindsets and growth and being stuck. And then a week and a half later, I'm in the mall talking to a woman my age who's experiencing a, the, the fixed mindset with parents and a religious system that have been stuck for centuries. And she was talking about how painful it is to listen to her parents refer to her as a problem instead of a person. And being in such a fixed mindset that they can't ask her any questions about where she's at because all of her perceptions and behaviors are wrong. There isn't even a shadow or a hair or a hope that perhaps she knows something that they don't. Is she single? She's married. Hmm. She has no children. She's a, an only child. And the other thing she heard on a different day was she heard her father or her mother, I can't recall what she said, and I, I don't want to get it wrong, so I'll just say one of her parents, make the comment that She's an only child. She's their only child. So they better try because they didn't have any other kids. And she just said to me, 
what the hell, Karen? That's the reason they're trying? It isn't because of who I am? Or because of love? Yeah. Or or just, like I said earlier, that fixed and open mindset. Like, even the possibility that they might learn something or change a thought even, that they couldn't even fathom the idea of making a single change. In themselves, just in her. Yeah. Yes. That all of the changes had to be that she needed to do all the changing, not her. Hmm. And I, I mean, we've talked about this before. I think we talked about this perhaps last week when we did yeah. the life coaching, where some people think in life coaching, I'm here to change who I am. But some people are, how do I change my partner? I don't believe in life coaching. I'm not doing that shit. That's not for real. I'm not going to therapy because they're not even remotely interested in self-development or change or even awareness. So it's always about what the problem is for the other person and they become professionals. Well, not professionals. I'm being facetious. They spend all of their time and energy analyzing other people's behaviors Mm -hmm. instead of their own. So she sat there. We had a little conversation about that. She asked me questions like, well, then is there hell? She says, because I really believe this is hell. What I'm going through and how I have to stand up to my parents when I have no siblings, I have a husband, no children, feels like hell to me. Here, in the pain and in the suffering of feeling that I thought these people were here to raise me, but I was supposed to adult. I was supposed to come in with my own thoughts and opinions Wasn't that supposed to add to the flavor of the family? Weren't we supposed to change as each of us grew up and brought new things in? Isn't that why they sent me to dance? Isn't that why they sent me to take these different courses, to take sports, to go to a university, to get an education, to get a job, to get married? Wasn't it supposed to be that I was supposed to come back changed? Mm -hmm. Wasn't I supposed to come back and offer something to them as my parents? I thought that was a really wonderful conversation about wasn't I supposed to? Wasn't that my contract to come back with different experiences? Even when you're five years old, you go out to a friend's house, you have a sleepover, you come back, you're changed. Well, every day you come home from school. Yeah. Isn't that when parents are supposed to say, so what did you learn? And I don't just think, what did you learn? But doesn't that mean... Did you learn it? And how do you implement it? Well, who did you become today? Like you, Kel, when you were at Lululemon. Mm-hmm. When you would call home from Ottawa to say what you were learning at Lululemon about, remember, by when? Yeah. And then you turned it into, Mom, when are you, what's your by when? If this is how you want to change your life. Like, you took that and brought it back into the family. It did. It, it, it changed everything in my life. But I think that that's because of who you became. So if we don't let each other become, then what are we doing? Control. Yeah. So then is parenting and having a child and wanting to have a family actually about saying, yay, let's have a child. Let's have a family. Let's raise kids so you and I can change all the time. Our marriage, our family unit, me as a person, my job. Or is it about 
Let's have a family so we can look normal, so we can look like everybody else. I don't know what's going to happen when these kids arrive, but if I'm all about control, then it will be about stifling them. Yeah, I I think too, a lot of people have children because they're bored or they're, they're broken and they want something to love or that's going to love them. Yes. Or it will bind the partner to me. They can't go anywhere because we're going to be invested in raising them. Mm -hmm. We are now a family. A unit. Yeah. It can't break. We don't believe it breaks. Or the religion says it doesn't break. We're not allowed to. Or whatever it is. So I can become abusive. And so within the thought or the belief system of that religion or the society or the goal we have, we become the abuser. So then we had a little chat about the fact that both her parents were abusers. And she talked a lot about the fact of that she saw that in her mom, even when they were out at a restaurant, and how she treated people, the waitress, how she talked down to them. How if somebody didn't serve her, you know, when she was buying a blouse, then it was like, what do you mean you went and, and served somebody else? I'm Mrs. So and so. You should be serving me. Like where her ego was always under attack. Yeah. And I thought to myself, oh my God, I can so relate to this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she said to me, Karen Ann, do you think this is generational? Do you think that it's you and I can have a conversation like this because we're in our 50s? Do you think that the younger kids wouldn't be talking and complaining about their parents like us? Is it because our parents were raised and then our, our parents are in their 80s and 90s. Is that it? Do you think that the younger kids that are 16 and 17 are still saying the same thing? And that their parents would be our age or younger than us? What do you think? And I didn't, I didn't answer in that particular moment because I know the answer. <laughs> I know that. But she was just being self-reflective. My answer was not important. At that point, it was just that she wanted to share something. She wanted somebody to hear her. Well, yeah, I guess so. After all those years of being treated that way. Mm -hmm. So she left. She hasn't spoken to her mom and dad. Oh, good for her. She is under no contact. She doesn't know that term. I didn't bring it up again. It's not important. But on her own terms, she chose to love herself and her husband supports her in it. Nice. Mm -hmm. So now they're in conversation about who their parents can be. (laughs) And they're trying to figure out if they need parents or not at their age. They're trying to figure out what family events look like on on Christmas vacations and Easter and birthdays and all of that. They're trying to figure out in a process just one occasion at a time how they want each thing to look. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, do you decide that based on how you want to feel? And she said, Oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. And I said, Well, if you're tired, and you want peace, then are you more likely to pick something low key for Christmas, like reading a book or going for a walk? I said, or if you feel the need to be around people because you're stressed, it's a family time, we got to be around humans, then do you rush out and try and be busy 
And she said that that was just an interesting question she didn't know. Well, sounds like she's willing to think about it. Yeah. And I liked that. I liked the, the whole part about her just, her willingness to just say, I don't know, but I'm thinking about it now. Or geez, I could you know, I go home and ask my husband that. I don't know what he thinks or what I think. And I like the fact that she says to me, but I'm not going to ask him till I know what I think. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed her comment and her observation about herself that after growing up with parents that stifle it, that she's really on her guard to make sure that she doesn't allow or set up her husband to do the same thing her parents do mm -hmm. so that she doesn't end up wanting to divorce him because she allowed it or she implemented the same structure mm -hmm. and the same system. I won't know what I want. I'll go ask him. We'll do what he wants. And then I'll be mad at him and think he's just like my mom and dad. Yeah. And, and that, that, that's a perpetual pattern we can do with everybody. But she's slowing herself down to recognize what her pattern is. And she's having fun with it. Well, that was really cool. Mm -hmm. Then a little bit later in the same day, a client came to see me. And during her session, now I'm flipping because this was in the mall. So now I'm going to, I'm in a session and I'm wearing my professional hat or gifts or whatever. Although I guess I wear those in the mall all the time too. But in her session, her brother came through, he's passed over and he on earth went through a lot of difficulty, Kelly. This client's brother had Down syndrome and as a result of it, he was challenged with cognitive behavioral situations how to word that in the best way um, and verbally as well as some of his motor skills so he had quite a few challenges to his level of down syndrome and I'm not totally familiar with it so I'm trying to say it I'll say in a way that indicates that I don't know what I'm talking about how's that mm -hmm. I'm still presenting it with kindness I hope that's my intention in saying it this way but when he came through he said to her I want you to know that when mom and dad die her mom and dad are in their 80s or 90s. He said, I want you to know that I'm going to greet them. And he says, and I want you to know that I'm going to greet them the way that I am now on the other side, not the way they remember me when I passed with Down syndrome. And I'm going to let them deal with their own emotions when they cross over. But I'm going to tell them all of the truths instead of what they wanted to believe about me. And how they went through their own life struggling with alcohol abuse as parents. Both professionals, both being able to get through life with careers where I don't believe anybody caught on at work about alcohol abuse. So functioning, mm -hmm. is that what you'd say that? A functioning alcoholic? Okay. But he said to her, to her I want you to know that they will be held accountable for all of this and that I'm happy that you don't speak to them, that you've chosen to take care of yourself in your own life, that you've tried to fix the patterns with your own children, with your own grandchildren, with your own partner, and that sometimes you still screw it up pretty badly. You don't do a good job. And I see that and I know that you're going to be sad about that when you cross 
that I'll love you when you do and that I won't judge you for it, but that I'll let you feel it too. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's nice because there's already that confirmation as well as that comfort that while she goes through that grief on the other side in learning, that she'll have her brother sitting next to her loving her yeah, and not judging her. Yeah. And that she might look back at parts of her life whether it's about him or about other thing that other things that she's gone through too and realize that she may be uncomfortable with some of her feelings and that if she says or looks over at her mother and father that they might be feeling the same damn things her mm-hmm. it might be for a different situation but they're the same feelings we may both feel or they may both feel shame but shame is shame It might be that we did different things to feel it, but it feels the same. I think that's something most people who are engaged in war forget, that feelings are feelings. Mm -hmm. And we all have the same ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of this has been playing on my mind for days as the students in the States have walked out. Mm -hmm. This is March of 2018, the school walkouts. I've really been trying to connect to them and give them love. Just send whatever energy I can as just Karen. No more, no less than anyone else, perhaps. Um, But just be able to be aware of their level of frustration that adults are not listening. Mm -hmm. And I won't say all adults because there are a lot of adults that are listening and, and trying to help. Yeah, but many of the big change makers aren't listening. Yes, And maybe we have the very same type of situation here. It's not gun control, but we need change too in an educational system. We need change as well in different things in life. And that if we're not seen and heard, how hurt we feel. I liked how her brother came in and just talked about the emotions though. And just saying to her that he was loving all of them. His parents and her. I feel like I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant. Or a little bit of a tangent you coming on. boiling? <laughs> yeah, because I had all these different thoughts going through my head to do the podcast, and some of them were in such different areas. I feel like my mind has been so full. But maybe that's also good because other people hear that it's just normal human stuff too. It's not always from what the spirit world is putting into our heads. But one of the things that has been coming up too for me, Kelly, is something that her brother said about the parents and being raised religious as well as my girlfriend in the mall or or childhood girlfriend in the mall whose parents were also religious Italian Catholics and the client is not Italian but it's a Catholic family as well and how in both situations both parents relied on religious upbringing to make them feel that they were right or never mind we don't worry about whether we're right or wrong we're parents it doesn't matter the rule is they have to obey us because we're their parents doesn't matter if they're in their own 50s and 60s it doesn't matter if if they're fully grown adults and have their own children and grandchildren but that a belief system in there and as I was thinking about all of that, I was remembering a priest 
who approached me one day and said, I want a meeting with you. And I think we did a podcast about this. And I went to see him, though I'm not religious. I respected him enough as a person, not as a religious person, but as a person. And I went up to him and had a meeting with him. And he said to me two things that day that stuck in my mind. He said, Karen, I haven't seen you in decades, but I really feel called to tell you that I believe you're a mystic. And I thought, well, that's really interesting. He doesn't know me, but he's giving me a message. He knew me as a kid. He knew me for the first 20 years of my life very well because of my parents and what we did in, the, in that community. But he didn't know me for at least oh, close to two and a half, three decades after that. And he just saw me one day and decided that he needed to tell me this. So there's a man still connected to his intuition he would say connected to God. That he felt that he could go up to somebody in the public and say, I have to give you a message. I thought that was really cool. So he said to me, I believe you're a mystic. I believe you have all these gifts and that you're being called to use them. And I think you should go out there and live your best life and do it. I want to support you. <laughs> I just remembered sitting there thinking, what the hell? What is this? And so I was quiet. And I said, what is the second thing <laughs> that you wanted to say to me? And he said, Oh, the second thing is, as I want to apologize to you for all of the things the Catholic Church has done to you. Hmm. And I just remembered staring at the brick wall behind his head. I think I thought I was going through it. I think like, honest to God, if anybody has had that moment in their life where this is something you just don't ever think was ever going to happen, and you're in that moment, it is very much an out-of-body experience. Never in my wildest dreams, as Tina Turner would say, did I ever think a Catholic priest was going to apologize to me for the things the church did. And then he went on to apologize for some of those things. Listing... I'll say in detail, but also generally speaking, meaning that we told you to believe things that are not true. We did it to control. We did it to have money. Let's face it, the church did it for this reason. This was a priest sitting, apologizing just to a person he picked up off the street and said, I see something in you and in order for you to go forward, you need an apology. Isn't that amazing? It's kind. Yes. I don't think it's amazing. Well, go ahead. I can appreciate where you're coming from. I think it is basic human kindness, basic human rights to have an apology, to be entitled to receive one when you've been hurt. I don't think it's amazing. I think it is sad. I accept. Yeah. I don't think that you should put him or anyone like that on a pedestal. I think it's great and, and I'll say sort of more unbelievable um, that a Catholic priest would do that. And I say unbelievable because you just don't hear of it. But I don't think it's amazing by any means. Mm-hmm. 
I'm happy for you. And I'm happy for him because I know that an apology heals the person who apologizes as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm not pl- I'm not trying to be mean to anyone. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I'm a stickler for language and the mm-hmm. emotional the emotional reaction that we have mm-hmm. to language. Mm-hmm. I think it was amazing to me because I grew up in that Catholic environment for two decades. And I just don't, didn't ever believe that a priest or a nun, even based on the three decades after that, would ever apologize for being ignorant. Mm-hmm. To me, it was amazing that he even had the self-awareness or that he had the emotional intelligence to do it so I I see your point there was amazement for me meaning that I was astonished yeah okay and this is flabbergasted unbelievable as opposed to amazing yeah yeah Uh, and and I understand what you're saying in the sense that it's not amazing in certain ways I get it. Yeah, because I think when we we give too much credit in that sense, we take a a piece of ourselves away from it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazement to me too, Kelly, means astonishing, surprising. Yeah. And those are two of the qualities that go with that for me because it was so outside of my experience with Catholicism to get an apology or an acknowledgement when they were wrong. Mm -hmm. And then I see... A friend in the mall talking about her Catholic parents treating her this way without ever apologizing. Mm-hmm. And saying too, oh, wait a minute. I wanted to say one other thing. Remember the woman in the treatment said to me, my parents better die at the same time because my siblings and I aren't going to be around to take care of them. The damage is done. We'll have to heal on the other side or when they're dead. Mm-hmm. They won't apologize. They won't acknowledge. They give us no, they give us no, nothing in a relationship to hang on to, to hope for, or to work with that we have nothing. And because they give us nothing, we give, I can't give anything back. I can't create something for them that doesn't exist. I think about so often in a relationship, like a current relationship, like a marriage, if you're in one, or just a partnership with somebody, a friendship, anything. That if you are unwilling to give something, whether it's the apology, whether it's an acknowledgement, whether or even it's just an awareness that you have. If we're not willing to give something to the other person, how do we really expect to be in what we call a relationship? Mm-hmm. It's, it's neat, too, because as I'm listening back to this, well, pardon me, as I'm listening as it's happening, I'm hearing, are you free to change? Mm-hmm. And you can't do that in the relationship if they're not meeting you in it. Mm-hmm. And we, like we've said before, sometimes all we want is for the other person to change. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't think at all about what we need to give to that person in order for them to change. Healthily, steadily, yeah, consistently. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, thank you. Those are great stories. I did not see where they were all going to come together at one point, but I am I love the way that this turned out. I did too over like all that period of time. And as these little things are happening day to day in life for me, just going into the local mall and just walking around, you know, putzing around, just putting time in. or Putting. Like, putting oh, around. Yeah, yeah, you right. are not a putz. <laughs> putting around, <laughs> you know, putting time in, so to speak. 
how the universe gives me these lessons. And then I want to think just not just about the treatments, but about my own life, about relationships for everybody. Mm-hmm. Good reflection. Mm-hmm. It was. Okay. It was. Well, thank okay. you for sharing the stories. I appreciate that. Uh, if you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at Otherwise, have a beautiful weekend.